And our whole hope is to form our lives this morning around Jesus. And if you've never read the scriptures before, you've never really been in a community like this before, we just really want you to know uh, that the God who created you absolutely loves you. And the only hope over these next few moments is that that would become vibrantly true in your life. Uh, So Revelation 2, starting in verse 3, this is what the scripture says. And these are the words of Jesus to the church in Ephesus. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. As we dive into the scriptures together this morning, I'd love it if we could pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that you desire to speak to us right now as, as we unpack your word together. I ask that you would posture our hearts in a place to receive, in a place to receive whatever it is that you want to pour out into us. We ask that you would fall afresh on us this morning and that you would make your word come alive. We love you. In your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said, amen. Amen. Uh, Do you remember uh, a moment when you were first in love? Uh, It doesn't have to be with a person. It could have been a sport that you loved or a job that you really loved or as a kid, a silly possession that you had. But a moment that you first fell in love or it could be the love of a dog or heaven forbid that you're a cat person. Uh, My goodness. Uh, Or the love of like your kid or a friend or or if you're married in this room, your spouse, whatever that love was, uh, there was this spark at the beginning of it. You remember? Uh, There was this spark right at the beginning, the spark of something spectacular, isn't it? Uh, It gets you all giddy. It fills you with joy. It it gives you this endless capacity to charge ahead, and you feel like you can just take on the world. You're filled with this deep first love of awe and wonder. But there seems to be this moment right now in our culture where we have swapped out love uh, for lust. Uh, We have swapped out sacrifice for selfishness. We have swapped out the depth for shallow living. We live in an age of superficial living where a like on a post counts as engagement for community and a carefully constructed photograph of us is supposed to represent our everyday ordinary moments but it's actually just a facade. It would be easy for us to blame social media or the rise of technology uh, but my friend Richard Foster said this in 1978. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. For deep people. And our response to that beautiful truth should be, how do we become deep people? How do you and I, as the body of Christ, become deep people? How do we become people of depth that leads to flourishing in our lives and also in the fellow image bearers around us who we brush shoulders with in all of our ordinary common moments? The way of Jesus would suggest becoming deeply formed by the love of the living God. And Revelation 2 of what we just read points us into that truth, tunes our hearts to that truth. Jesus says this to the church in Ephesus. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not grown weary, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. I know that you have not grown weary. I know that you're working at it. I know that you're putting in effort and that you're striving and that you're out there moving and shaking. But it's all empty if you abandon love for me. It's all empty if you abandon love for me. Isn't that the church today in the West? Not just heart church. Not the churches in this city. I'm talking about the church, the gathered church, the people of the living God, the body of Christ. We go through the motions because they're so familiar. We have a set routine of what subculture Christian life should look like. We check the boxes. We make time for God, but not if it's too much time for God. We got bright lights and flashy services. We get all the big crowds, but no community. We have rules and laws to measure people, but forsake the love and the grace that frees people. We have great organizations that can produce results so we feel good and we feel successful and like we've achieved something when we have forgotten that no amount of achieving earns us the kingdom of the living God. Only grace. It's all Jesus. We've turned the Bible into a weapon rather than a tool for life for weak and hurting people. We have turned the cross into a burden rather than a bridge that it is to grace and rescue and redemption. We have turned the church into a place for perfect people rather than a place of imperfect people sharing in their brokenness in hopes to be made whole through the living God and His name is Jesus. I have this against you, Jesus says. You have abandoned the passionate love you had at the beginning. My daughter, Asher Joy, she just discovered the moon. Pretty awesome. Pretty life-altering experience for her. Uh, it started out like getting like darker out earlier. Don't know if you noticed that. It's like when depression just goes on the rise. Baby, summer is gone. Uh, and it's starting getting darker out. And bedtime is like somewhat in question in our family. So the other day we're in the backyard just living the dream. Uh, and she looks up and she freaks out and shouts, moon, moon. Like she's seen them in books before, but like never in real life. And it was absolutely awesome. And for like whole 10 minutes, she is just staring at the moon like it's the greatest thing that she has ever experienced. And now, every morning when she wakes up, the first thing that she says is, moon today, Dada? Moon today? Moon today? And I go, yes, Asher Joy, you can see the moon today. But it's daytime right now. Like, she doesn't quite understand the space-time continuum that you and I are trapped within. Uh, so she doesn't, like, know that it's, like, light out and the moon can't exist. And then the other day, it was, like, cloudy with a chance of meatballs out. So there was no moon. And we went out at nighttime and looked up in the sky, and she was like, Dad, you promised there was moon. There's no moon today. Uh, but she just discovered the moon, and it was awesome. And every single moment of it was just this absolute joy and awe and wonder. And it was life-altering for her, kind of like. When you and I first realized that we're the beloved of Jesus. Kind of like when we heard the gospel for the very first time. Kind of like when we actually believed, even if it was just for a moment, that we might actually be loved by the God who created us. The radical truth of the gospel that declares that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That God sent his only son so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life, that you are so loved by God, but that's just been plastered on every coffee cup across America, so it's lost its luster. That for some reason we don't wake up and look out with awe and wonder of how much we are loved by the living God. And for those of us sitting here this morning who have experienced and encountered the free gift of God's grace and rescue, there was that spark at the beginning, you remember? There was that spark of love and joy and new life in Jesus Christ that gives you this endless capacity 
to just charge ahead and take on the world as you live into the truth of your belovedness. And if you're here this morning and you have not heard that life-altering truth, that no matter your story, you are invited to be swept up in the story of the living God. And through grace, you can be invited to belong in the kingdom of God. And Jesus has life in his hands for you. Then my friend, like my daughter, who has just saw the moon for the first time, it's yours for the receiving. It is yours for the receiving. But then for a lot of us, we get going on this journey with Jesus And somewhere along the way, the spark dies out. The love grows dull. Our eyes that were once filled with awe and wonder and amazement are now looking everywhere else in hopes for something to return to us. For some reason, the gospel just becomes good advice that we've abandoned the love that we knew at first. And then we wonder why. People who don't yet know Jesus aren't overwhelmed with the love and joy of Jesus. But why would they be when the people who claim to follow him just look bored? When the people who claim to know that they are loved don't live like it. They continually let insecurity define their belovedness and that they say that there's something more profound and deep than the gospel. So they go searching for religious games and get swept up in church systems when there is nothing more profound than the gospel of the living God because that is the thing that drew you to himself in the first place. That's how the spark got ignited. But what are we to do in this cultural moment that we live in of abandoning love? What are we to do of our superficial living masquerading for spirit-filled abiding? Verse 5, the scripture that we just read. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. Jesus says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Well, where have we fallen from? Where is you and I collectively as humanity fallen from? Romans 3, for all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Living in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Oh. That's where we've fallen from. Okay. Like all falling short of the glory of God. Great. And by nature children of wrath. Love it. Awesome. So encouraging this morning. I can't wait to eat a donut with you after church today. It's going to be great. But Wow. How often do I forget my sinful nature? How often do I forget my fallenness? And every moment that I discredit it, I also discredit the grace that I have been given that should lead me into this spark of contagious joy, energy, and strength in and through Jesus. Repent and do the works you did at first. Turn back, Jesus says. To what? To the love of Jesus and do what you did at first. Well, that begs the question. What did the church in Ephesus do at first? They destroyed their idols. They destroyed anything and everything that might look like Jesus, but was void of the truth that Jesus is Christ the Lord. They burned their idols of their day. They tangibly took books that were against the way of Jesus and burned them in the city. They got away with everything that would distract them from the truth of the gospel. Idolatry being what it says in Romans 1, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Tim Keller says it this way, an idol is anything more important to you than Jesus. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than the living God. Anything that you seek to give you what only Jesus can give you. And man, oh man, don't we got idols in today's Culture. Don't think about theirs. Think about yours. 
Idols of identity. Idols of money. Idols of sexual morality. Idols of jobs and status. Idols of fame and influence. Idols of comfort and ease. Idols of entertainment and distraction. We give our hearts to worship of things and idols that we think will give us a love that looks like God. But we have abandoned the only love that can transform the heart and heal the soul. And that's Jesus. The passage goes on and Jesus says, If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Meaning, if you have no love for me and you are not overwhelmed with my love for you, it is all idol worship and worthless and meaningless and is just loud noise in the midst of broken and hurting humanity that needs only Jesus. That idol worship is not sufficient. But we're not the only ones who get caught up in that. In Exodus 32, maybe you're familiar with the story. Our main man, Moses, he goes up on Mount Sinai. He's getting done, kicking it with the Lord God, Yahweh, the living God. And the living God is showing Moses, hey, take these tablets down and it will show the people the way of flourishing life in relationship with me. Moses has just left the people of Israel and he has led them out of Egypt and out of bondage. And it's this joyful moment where the people of God, you could say the gathered church, is set free. And they can live again in the presence of the living God and live into their calling and their purposes. So Moses goes up the mountain. And he goes up there to kick it with the living God so he can come back down and tell the people how to live a flourishing life. And Exodus 32 records this. When the people saw that Moses was long from coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who has brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took them and made it into an idol and cast it in the shape of a calf. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Moses is gone for a few minutes and the people abandoned the living God who brought them out of bondage and into freedom out of death and into life. And the Bible records they make an idol to satisfy their hearts. An idol to worship. Why? Moses is taking too long. Moses is taking too long. I mean, I know God has promises and he always keeps his promises and he is faithful to his people forever. Ah, but he's taking too long. So let's go ahead and make an idol and just worship that. That will satisfy my aching heart. There we go again. The people of God. The people of Israel, the church of Ephesus, the church of today, man, let's just make our own way and worship however we want and whatever we want. And the bummer is, we can have big crowds and great organizations that look like a move of God but are completely void of the power of the Holy Spirit. That we can have all of the outcomes and performance-based accolades without the love for Jesus. That we can have sexy attractions that draw people in but they're empty. And cannot heal the heart or save the soul. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. I know you're working at it. I know you're moving in and shaking, but it's all empty. If you have abandoned your love for me, it's all empty without the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't we tired of living just like everyone else who is not filled with the power of the living God? Aren't we tired of our lives looking like everyone else's, even if they are not filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Aren't we tired of letting other people's insecurities define our belovedness? Aren't we tired of church games and religious services? Aren't we tired of empty worship to idols 
and empty worship to things that will never lead us to life and love. What our hearts need is to turn again to the love we had at first. To awe and wonder and amazement of the good news that is so good that it takes dead people and makes them alive again. The love that's so powerful that it's the only hope for humanity. But we cannot do it with idol worship and human effort. It must be ordinary people filled with the power of the Spirit, living, loved, and being loved by Jesus. We must turn from the false loves and idols of our days and do what the Scripture records. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But I have this against you, that you've abandoned your love at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen and come back again and do what you did at first. How awesome is it that Jesus invites us to confess our sin so that he can lead us into flourishing, so that if we confess the wickedness that is in our hearts, he desires to heal us and set us free. That I confess my sin and just get to abide in his presence and know that he is so in love with me. And then all of a sudden my heart is overwhelmed with the love of God. All of a sudden I don't have to hide who I am because who I am is a beloved of Jesus. And out of the overflow of that truth, radical things can break out because it cannot be up to us. Because the spark that led us to Jesus in the first place was Jesus himself. But I know what you might be asking yourself. What's that actually look like? Like what does it actually look like to return again to this moment? There's this incredible story in the Gospel of Luke. Maybe you've heard it before. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord! Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus in absolute awe and wonder like a kid who's seen the moon for the first time. Just absolute awe and wonder. Martha is distracted with much serving, with much doing. One is receiving. The other is earning. How do we get back to the love of Jesus that we had at first? Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to earn it. Just receive what the living God wants to pour out into your heart. People might say you're foolish. People might go, Lord, why why, why, why aren't they helping? Why aren't they moving and shaking? Don't these people care? Why aren't they out here striving? Why aren't they out here making it happen? Why aren't they out here saving people? That's not our mission. You and I cannot strive. We don't make it happen. We don't save anyone. We aren't holding Jesus up, so we can't let him down. But what we must do is love him and receive the love that he has for us in him. To return again and get everything else out of the way so we can be overwhelmed with the truth that we are the beloved of the living God. Why? Because you believing that you are the beloved, you truly believing that you are so loved by Jesus, can alter your life and the lives of those around you forever. Because you're supposed to be like a lampstand of what it says in Revelation. Not the source of light, just holding it. And the only way to hold it is to believe that you're the beloved. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. But the only way to do that is knowing that you are so loved by the heavenly Father. That we must not abandon this love of Jesus. That in grace we must remember our belovedness.
Now you may be thinking, man, we talk about being the beloved of the Most High God a lot in this community. Yeah. Because if you will believe it, everyone in this city could come to know the gospel. Because if you will believe that you are so loved by Jesus, the overflow of that, all of your family, all of your friends, every nook and cranny and neighborhood could come to know the love of God. It is not about packing people in here. It is about reminding people that they are the beloved out there. And the enemy knows that if that happens, if you truly believe that you are the beloved, if you truly believe that you are so loved by Jesus, all the schemes of the enemy have no chance. All the power of the enemy has to be thwarted because an imperfect community believing their belovedness, living filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, oh, that's not church. That's the kingdom of the living God coming to earth. That's you and I living into our calling and our identity. Because the world doesn't need more intelligent people. Doesn't need more gifted people. The world needs more deep people. The world needs people who are deeply believing that they are the beloved of the living God. And that deep is the gospel of Jesus Christ that declares that you and I, no matter our story, are so loved. And with that, we carry it to every nook and cranny that we go to. Why? Because there's a young person in this city who doesn't yet know that they're the beloved of the Most High God. There is a generation killing themselves because they do not know that they are loved by Jesus. Do you see what is at stake? If you will continue to claim that you follow Jesus but will not live into the truth that you are so loved. There is a marriage on the brink of giving up. There's an addict on the brink of breakthrough. There is a family and friends dying for real community. There's a single mom or a single dad just making it moment by moment. There is a toddler in a home in this city that is wondering if someone will ever notice them, love them, and hold them. And it is you, the people of God, living into their belovedness so that kid can have a chance. That because you will live into your belovedness, they might just believe it too. That because you and I will not abandon the gospel, they might experience it for the first time. Do you see it? Do you see the power of living in the truth that you are so loved by Jesus? Let us not abandon this love of Jesus. Let us return again to it as it says in Revelation 2. For it is the hope of the world. Come on, let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we love you. But even more so, we are overwhelmed by how much you love us. I ask Holy Spirit here and now that you would soften our hearts to receive. I ask, Father God, that by your grace, you would give us a heart to receive what you desire to pour out. I ask in your mighty name and authority, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would crush the lies of the enemy over anyone's life in this room right here and right now that would continue to believe the lie that they are not your beloved. And we ask and declare in your authority, Lord Jesus Christ, that if we will live into our belovedness, you promise to pour out your presence. So we ask that you would do that now. We ask that we would experience you. We ask that we would encounter you. That we would not have a great church moment, but that we would encounter you, the living God. That you would overwhelm us with the truth of how much we are loved by you. That we would repent and turn again 
to this deep love that you have for us. And in doing so, that the fire in our heart would become lit again. That we would be like a kid who just saw the moon for the first time. Absolutely overwhelmed with the truth of who you are. We love you. We cry out to you. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, all the beloved said, amen.